Hello and welcome to the 34th episode of the Fumbled Podcast. PC and myself are joined by Neil Watt and Malmere, and we discussed our time at the UKTC and lots of other BB stuff and lots of stuff on Fumble. Enjoy! This podcast is sponsored by tritexgames.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Fumble Podcast number 34, which we've just found out after a little bit of research. Um, I've got PC with me. Happy 2020, everybody. Got Neil Watt with us. Hey, everyone. And we've got Malmere as well. Hi, guys. So, we have got an action pack. We haven't got AD with us today. Um, he's busy doing other things, um, but he'll be well, back it, again. It's Burns Night, isn't it? You know, there's oh, many Burns a twitched cup and lip. He's, uh, he's probably um, uh, dead in a ditch somewhere or having some fun. Celebrating Brexit, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Um, anyway, less said about that, the better. Let's move on. Um, I think as uh, we've got Neil and Malmere here, who joined us at the UKTC, I guess we should maybe kick off with the UKTC. Yeah, that's also sort of what we've been doing, isn't it? It comes yeah. both at once. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, give us a bit of a synopsis of why we went and what we went to do, PC. Um, well, we we went to York. Um, we made made ourselves into Yorkies and went up and played as a team to try and win the UK team championships, which for my money is the toughest standard of Blood Bowl played in the UK on a yearly basis. Um, I've only been to one NAFC, and the standard there is very good, and I'm sure it is at lots of other tournaments, but at the UK team championships, you get the very cream of UK Blood Bowl from across these fair isles of ours, uh, the Welsh, the, the Geordies, the... Uh, the Brits, the Londoners come up, uh, the South West, lots Scots. of courses at the North, the Scots come down. And then, of course, we get loads of Europeans coming over and bringing some of the teams that they're practicing for the Euro Bowl. And, uh, and it's just incredibly competitive, a fantastic atmosphere, brilliantly run. Uh, I think there was 68 teams of four. Yeah, there was so a lot. 270-odd coaches rolling dice. Uh, incredibly well organized. It, it runs beautifully. Um, and we went up to uphold the honour of Fumble. Um, last year, Team Fumble, which was the same four as went as Team Fumble B this year. So uh, me, Purple Chest, uh, obviously Throek, uh, Malmere uh, went with us, and uh, Mr. Joshua, who's not on us with us tonight, but he was our fourth. And last year, we, we coached well, we did well, but we felt we didn't quite represent in our final score, which was roughly 50%, roughly halfway down yeah, the list. Yeah, about halfway, weren't we? Um, how, how well we felt we'd done. And also, we just felt there was a couple of missed opportunities where we were pointing over 50%, all of us, um, and yet that wasn't translating quite into you know team goals, as it were. So this year, we wanted to both go up and, and see if we could be a bit more competitive, uh, and also to uh, welcome any other fumblers that wanted to go with us, uh, and we would do the same again next year if we go, of course and spread that Team Fumble umbrella to any fumbler who wanted to come along, roll some dice, be part of a team, uh, and take part. So um, we went up as both Fumble B and Fumble R, two teams of four, and we had a great time. Well, we I did, did, we did. And Neil, uh, you headed up Team R, didn't you? Yeah, so it was um, me and then Phil Proctor. Um, what's it? Poker, Poker, Poker Jacks. Poker Jacks. Um, none of us had really played before or anything but he's got a fair old few games on the site 
And then a friend of mine from down in Brighton called Amsil sort of filled in the last space. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a brilliant tournament, really well organised. Yeah, Amsil was lovely. He came in that to me traditional stag do role of the mate's mate that the groom hasn't met. Yeah, uh, every stag do needs one, and I felt Team Fumble benefited from having one along. He was lovely. Yeah, and he threw himself yeah, in, yeah, and it was a, it was a good crack. And I think I can safely say that all eight of us had a really good time all over the weekend. We had some uh, ups and downs with Blood Bowl. We had a great uh, Friday and Saturday night. Um, Phil, Phil has particularly had a great Friday night. Um, but yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. But how it did was. we do? How did we do? Well, reader, I married him. It's um, really it was. I mean, we had a we had a cracking time. I thought. Uh, I mean, the 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 star in the bar the first evening. I have to say was probably me. Uh, I I not to blow my own trumpet, but I coached pretty well on the first day and got us out of a really big hole in game one where I had a blitz and uh, lost the ball to Dark Elves on turn one. Uh, but managed to come around and win that game. And in the first round, we beat a German team, and a very highly fancied, very dangerous German team, who ended up coming second, didn't they? This is, yes. Um, so we, we beat them. They were, That was the only people to beat them all weekend. Um, we got uh, another win and a draw on day one. Uh, and we went into overnight uh, feeling pretty good about that. And then the second day, our coaching as a team continued. I had some some challenging games, but uh, but as a team, we, we rose to the occasion and we finished fourth out of 68 teams, which I'm incredibly chuffed by. Yeah, we're really happy about that. Really happy yeah, about we were. that. I mean, when I say fourth, there were lots of other teams on the same points, but we had the, uh, the, the, the first divider was strength of schedule. And we had an incredibly tough schedule. Uh, we played was it three German teams. Three German teams and a French team. And a French team. Um, so that was that was really really tough. I mean, obviously, I, I've always said that you don't travel internationally to play blood bowl if you do it casually, and I think that probably holds some water. Uh, and they were all competing to be part of uh, Team Germany at the Euro Bowl, so so that was really really tough. Uh, and the French were were very very difficult. And not only did we finish fourth, but we were the top British team at the UK Team Championship. We were indeed. We'll take that. And I think, I think, yeah, we've got a right to call that an award in itself, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. The top, so. top Brits at Wimbledon is a thing people care about. Well, we were the top Brits at the UK Team Championships. So. Definitely. Um, before we get on to how uh, Team R did, Malmere, you uh, amazed me at the UKTC. Uh, because what team, what team did you take, Malmere? I, I went for Bretonian, having never played them before. so you had one practice game on Fumble before you went yes I played um, against uh, who did I play against I played against one of you a lot didn't I was it Neil I think it was Neil was it Amsel maybe or um... Or was it Pete was it Pete Jacks it was Pete Pete. yeah Yeah. I played Pete with his Wood Elf that's right and lost yes (laughs) that's a good start Malmere, so tell I was, us. I was a bit concerned. <laughs> after, after, out of 270 coaches, having never played Bretonians before, where did you finish? Where did you personally finish? Um, was it ninth? <laughs> ninth. <laughs> just ridiculous. I've never played this race before. I'm just going to go and beat everyone else. Yeah. So how did you yeah, find Bretonians? Uh, oh, they were great. Yeah. I think the, re- the reason I wanted to take them was I was obviously, you have a budget of, was it 125? like thousand or million or I think with that tier yeah 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 and I just felt they've got so much good starting skills so you've got four with wrestle you've got potentially if you can squeeze them in four with block um they can get 
all skills they want so you can get guards. So I, I took guard on all four of the wrestlers, which was brilliant. Didn't regret that at all. Um, I actually took all four of um, the guys with block and the knights, dauntless. Yeah. The knights, yes, thank you. I took. Oh, you can say, well, I know the race, can't you? <laughs> I, I think they're called catchers, but I've, I've always thought they're the knights. Yes, I took I took all four of them, which I think there were six Bretonian teams there and none of the others took all four. So I basically went with one re-roll and then a leader re-roll because I could get leader on one of the knights um, yes, for the free, knights like for normal skill. skill access, don't they? They can, they can they get do. anything except a strength skill. So That's they can right. get leader on a normal, they can get bludge, uh, they can get tackle, they can get wrestle. They come with dauntless and block and they move seven. But you can get your strength skills on the guys who wrestle, so they have access to that as well. So yes, you, and Bretonians all... in the current Euro Bowl meta, which is what the UKTC was quite similar to, as you said, it's it's a hundred it's one million one hundred thousand, if you like, to build them, or a hundred and ten to build them, and then it was fifteen for skills. That's right. Um, and you were allowed to spend a little bit of that back on people if you wanted. I and that allowed you to get into... four guards and what two other skills or three other skills. I had four guards, I had a leader to get my extra re-roll, a tackle, yeah. and a dodge. Right. And then that left a spare 10k, but that you actually summed in with the rest and bought yourself a nice little star, didn't you? Yes, I had Bo Gallant, who was amazing, I've got to say. I mean, massively. I think I was talking about it with you the day before, and I, yeah. in my head, had it priced at a... Uh, 180 or whatever, the, however it converts, and it turns out to 160, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, he's he's incredibly cheap. I mean, I, I faced it was the my um, my first loss against the French team was against uh, with my dwarves against the pretty much the same build as you. Uh, as you said, he only had three knights instead of four, and he had a I think a spare reroll that you didn't because of that. But he had bow, um, and of course he just kept bow behind a wall of more mobile guards than mine. Yeah, um, and then hit with his knights, which had incredible move. And then he did have to dodge through to do it. But Bogolant, of course, moves up to eleven, doesn't he? Yes, which is with, no uh, way broken. With dodge, yeah. So he comes with dodge. And he's agility feet. four. He's move eight, but he gets sprint and sure feet. Yeah, and doesn't he also have sidestep? And how much does he get? Yes, cost? yes, he does have sidestep because that, that saved me in one game when someone <laughs> spent a, a whole turn trying to surf him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he's got sidestep, sprint, and sure feet, and he's move eight, and he's agility four. He and brilliant. he costs that. Cost he costs 160. 160, yeah. He's only strength three, of course, and his armor's pretty terrible, isn't it? Isn't it seven? Yes. So any, any, any time you left him out, someone would have a go at him because they were desperate yeah. to get him off, but obviously you tried to protect him a bit. I mean, same as Roxy. He's, he's, a, he's very glass cannon, but he's a hell of a cannon too for that price. I mean, so what was your final record? Yeah, what was your final record? Mine was uh, three wins, three draws. Yeah, Incredible. Yeah. With a team yeah. you've never coached before. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a total Malmere fanboy, but since then, and since particularly I got that absolute pasting off the French chap using them, um, two things come out of that game for me. The first is I want to get myself a Bretonian team because I've been looking at my Cossacks and I just don't think they can do the job. And, of course, they're really hard to find because they're such an unofficial roster. No one's really making Bretonians. So if anyone out there's got a good suggestion as to who I should look at for a Bretonian roster, do let me know. I think it might be... Is it Hungry Trolls that do... There's, I think it might be Hungry Troll that do um, a Bretonian team based on the knights from the Holy Grail, Monty Python. Yeah. Which well, is pretty be, funny. 
Um, I've seen a few of those around. I don't, I don't know whether it is. Mon there's, I can't remember which the, is. Um, there's another team where they've got the shields like broken in half. Yeah, I saw them? those. I, I wasn't that impressed with them as a... But I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. If that's, if that's the only options, then it would have to be those. But they're, they're now something I covet to have and to coach myself on tabletop because they just look so fun. So all in all, we had a really good time, didn't we? It was really nice to meet um, people that came up to us and said, love the podcast and all of that kind of stuff. That was really good. Spent some time with the two drunk fling boys as well. It was good to have some time with them and all lots of other podcasters. And took part in a, a world record attempt. There was yeah, the so was it... Um, there, was hugs in a minute? Most hugs in a minute. Was it P.O.? Yes. It was. Um, which was... Yeah, seeing 85 pretty much old and overweight men hug another yeah, all, man. All twirling around and, and, you know, hugging each other. It was uh, it was weird. <laughs> did, we, did we ever find out the result? I'm assuming they didn't actually break the record. No, I think he was, like, was a few shy, I think. Yeah, I think, I think we were looking for something like 88, and I think he thinks he got 85. But even then, you know, once they slowed down the camera and looked at them, some of those might have been ruled out. Um, it's it's you know it, he got very close. I think the ultimate decision was that trying to do it with average forty-five-year-old, quite paunchy middle-aged men, perhaps was a, a <laughs> cost in terms of the speed of it. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, we just it just we couldn't all turn on a dime, and that became a real problem. Uh, I think throwing eight-year-old um, Girl Scouts around would have made it a more successful attempt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, perhaps tempt them in with some Kit Kats or whatever. Yeah, it's good. I don't know about you, though. I always find it, It's especially that sixth game, it's just so mentally draining. So yeah, well, mentally draining. Because you're out having a few drinks the night before as well. Yeah, it's yeah, certainly no true. picnic, that's for sure. Yeah. So what about your team, Neil? How did Team R get on? Well, tell us your story. All right, probably didn't go quite as well. Um, we're having a... The first game we played against, it was like a Blood Bowl 2 sort of group. Um, there was like three groups from them. We played them, and actually, that was probably like the closest of all of them. It ended up as a draw in the end. UK BBL um, groups, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah one, one of um, those groups. And actually, that was probably like the closest matching we had for the whole weekend. Um, so we started with a draw. Next two were like much more one-sided or the other. So either like one person in your team was absolutely smashing the other side or vice versa. Um, but overall, we lost the next two games. So we went into the last day closer to the bottom tables. Um, it's, a, it's quite interesting as you're going towards the bottom tables. The first, second game, the guy I played who turned up and he was white. He looked absolutely gone. And he's like, oh, sorry, I might have to cancel the game. Um, and I was like, look, go and have a tactical chunder. Um, <laughs> sort yourself out. And he came back like 20 minutes later with sort of a shandy. Um, and yeah, managed to play. Uh, he also had like a sick amount of luck as well playing elves. It's like, oh, I might as well just dodge through here and there and pulled off some like ridiculous moves. Um, but yeah, so slightly different. Next team, actually. One of the guys on their team didn't turn up for about 10 minutes. When he did, let's just say it was quite herby in the air. Um, <laughs> playing skills were not so good to start with, but he's right. He was using Amazons with Roxy so he could still win. It didn't yeah. really matter. Um, 
we're like, so we've played those teams. The next day, we're like, right, we've gone through the drunks, you know, we've got the potheads, like, Jesus, like, we've like, we've gone down from there. Like, who are we going to meet on the last day? Um, <laughs> and then we just met some people from Yorkshire, but they're, like, standard, so they're all right. Um, but, yeah, so the next, I can't remember the last games. I think we got, like, a draw and maybe a win on the last day and a loss, something like that. So um, what races did you take? Took Phil took Lizards. He was probably yeah. like the most solid in the group. If that makes sense, like yeah. strong team. Um, He's been doing some great work with Lizards in the uh, the box trophy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he had a really like solid run of it overall. There's a couple of games he took like an absolute pasting. When you look over and he's got like six players left, um, which with Lizards is like that's a bad day. Uh, what else then? We had Pete had Wood Elves. He said he hadn't used for a little while. Uh, so it was a bit rusty. And his game sort of, again, in quite solid, but like some of his games really swung one way or the other. Like either he like, you know, got some good old scores in or like he'd end up with three elves on the pitch. Sort of like classic with elves. <laughs> yeah. um, my games, I definitely could have played better. Uh, I should have just gone for draws. So I was using Underworld, um, mainly because I've just oh, got They can get really crunchy though if people get on top of you. Yeah, well, actually, I almost took I took very few casualties throughout the thing. Like, I had Glart uh, Junior, yeah, Glart Junior, who, like, was destroying teams. Um, but, you know, when you're, like, just those little moves, like, just didn't really work off. Uh, played a lot of elves to start with. Um, and then my mate Amsel used humans, and he took a bit of a different build. So he went for a four-catcher build, um, just to try something a little bit different, really. That's bold. That is bold. Yeah, it, beforehand, you know, it's like classically people are like, it's like the blitzers with guard and mighty blow, but like he'd put his skills more towards the catchers and so on. He had one of the star players as well. Um, hmm. or something. It was the one who's like strength four dodge block. Oh, Carl. Uh, Carl Von Kiel. Yeah, Carl of- Carl of- Von Kiel. Yeah. Yeah, so had Carla. So it was, yeah, he had like he tried something a little bit different. I wouldn't say it like worked massively well. What um, did he have on the blitzers then? What what skills? Skilled two of the blitzers, if I'm right. Um, yeah, skilled a couple of the blitzers, skilled a couple of the catchers, and then he had like a thrower with our oh, leader. That was it. I mean, I get it. Since um, catchers, yeah. since catchers got that little boost, you know, people do think there's a. A real bounty in playing them, but I, I think four, they're just they're so weak, they can just flake away. And then what are you left? The with? strength of the team is the blitzers, isn't it? You've got to take four blitzers and skill them. I, yeah, I'm I think sure he had four, but I don't think he skilled all the blitzers. Mm. I always struggle with humans. Um, I'm not talking about the Blood Bowl team, I'm just talking about humans in general. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, obviously, the Blood Bowl team just it's the, they're masters of. Jack of all trades, aren't they? Master of none. Um, certainly, I've been uh, my. I've got a, a new run going in the box trophy. My second squad. I saw your last game where you just Three got decimated. Fairly recent, reasonably, but my humans have just had their ass kicked left, right, and centre. Yeah, I yeah, saw that. Game. Game. I had eight KOs, didn't I? Yeah, that's right. That's and right. that was in about turn three of the second half. I had eight in the KO box. Yeah, I saw. They're that. just they're just bang average at everything. Yes. I've, I actually haven't taken them this year. I've done three trophy runs now, and I've avoided humans this time because I just got too annoyed with them last year. <laughs> they they just they don't they sort of everything's okay, nothing's really good. Everything's so, a three plus, isn't it? It's like oh yes, it's everything's horrendous. a three plus. Yeah. Oh, well. So look, let's let's just you know, before we come to Malmir's third run because I, I want to talk about that while we've got him on. 
um, and other things Malmere related. So Neil, how was how, how did it end up? How did how was the feeling amongst the team? Are yeah, yeah, it was definitely um, it was less competitive. Like we were sort of yeah, just there for a bit of fun, really, which it definitely was. It was quite nice just to play as a group, have a little chat afterwards, very social with the groups. And then after each game, seeing your group as well, sort of a bit of comparison, a uh, bit of a chat. So I'd say it was very good on the social side. And I'd say the level of play there was really good. There's a lot of very good tabletop players who don't play at all online. Um, There's one guy who we played against right at the end, or Phil did, with a beastly halfling team. Um that he'd taken to the World Cup. He came second, I think, with Flings at the World Cup. Right. Uh, and, yeah, he had picked a really good team. He'd done really well in York as well, so that was good to see. But yeah, I was like, oh, could you play online? He's like, no, just tabletop. So it's impressive to see how many people are just playing tabletop. Yeah, um, I mean, it is, it's a whole different world. And, I mean, some people are really... I mean, it yeah. is... Well, obviously, there's a load of things that are the same. Uh, the basic rule set's the same. You know, the teams are the same, the races are the same. Because it is such a specific build and the resurrection format is so specific, it, it does change a lot of the risk analysis. Hello, hello, hello. How you build and what you're trying to build. Hi, Rob. Welcome back. I don't think he can hear us. I think he's gone. Ah. It's, just, it's definitely a style of play as well. Um, sort of tabletop. It's, I'd say, like, the whole aim seems to be keep the ball for the eight turns, score and then stop them scoring and sort of it doesn't seem to be risk going for sort of high scores or anything like that um so yeah it's very sort of clinical i guess you'd say yeah i mean i, I think that's that's and i'm not sure that's untrue or unfair i think also there's an impact of that on it being a team championships and everyone's sort of somewhat aware of not trying to let the rest of the team down and there's always that feeling that if you can get a draw that's not as bad for the team you know, the team can then still win the round a lot easier. There's definitely a team dynamic. I remember that that third game, which we tied against the second German team we played. Yeah. And I played, can't remember his name, but it was the guy that runs Dungeon Bowl and he plays like Slamford Team Germany. Yeah. Um, absolutely destroyed me. And I just felt awful because I was thinking, I should play better than this. I should play better than this. But Slam against skink leeches yeah it's not so good for you <laughs> um, but shorthands on my skink paid dividends over those games mm. and it was a very much a skill that everybody was like oh you're the shorthands skink guy I was like yep but it paid off saved me a roll many a time standard. I thought that'd be quite standard in a way to stop you know like anyone with leap strip ball yeah well the thing is a double most people put block on a crocs yes Rather than sure hands on a fairly standard, and then they go very, very hitty with all the Sauruses and dominate space. Yeah, but it does traditionally leave lizards very, very vulnerable to wood elves, of course. Yeah. But if you build just against wood elves, what if you don't face them? What if you're facing dark That's elves? That's true. Yep, yep, yep. You know, then that that lack of hitting power does pay off in other ways. But I, I mean, I I never think a sure hands is wasted. It's a, such a key role to pick up the ball against any ball. opposition, but particularly anything quick or anything dodgy. That I, I I still think it pays off even if you're not facing Woody. Well, I can think of two times when um, I managed to sack the ball. Don't think I had a re-roll and managed to pick it up with a with a short hands re-roll. So it did save my bacon a couple of times. I think one of the best games I had was against the French, and I messed my drive up. He scored on turn sixteen, 
Um, no rerolls. Yeah. And I said to him, I was like, the only way I can do this, because I can't one turn, is a riot. <laughs> and he rolled a riot. <laughs> and I managed to uh, two turn. And we tied the game. But that was, I think it was a really good game. That was one of my favourite games there. Uh, the only time I did anything slightly naughty like that was in the first game. And I was playing Sprinter, the, the German coach, yeah. uh, playing Dark Elves. And as I said, he'd, he'd blitzed. It was my drive. He blitzed, got the ball one step over the halfway line. So he was able to get it, put a full cage around it. I made him drive it in in three. But obviously, he was 1-0 up with a turnover touchdown. I drove back for 1-1. One, one. But that still puts the ball in his hand. And with you know Dark Elves against Dwarves, that's reasonably decent odds he's still going to win. So he was looking really smiley. And I think it was you that was next to me. And you yeah, asked me how it was going. And I took the opportunity to say, yeah, not so bad. I've got it back to 1-1. One, one, but it's all right. I'm just going to take his ball and win. <laughs> you told me that. I remember, I remember you saying that. You said that to me. I was on the table next to you. Yeah, okay. So it was to you, Rob. And it was a little bit naughty because... I knew that I'd played him in the um, the TSD, as it's called, the Tacklestone Star Division that KFOGD is running using the BB2 client uh, to practice NAF games. And I've been in that with you, Mark. Yep. And I got through to the... Uh, I got to the semi-finals in the end. But in the last round in our, um, our conference, I played Sprinter and had got some reasonably decent dice and just completely blown them off the park. And that was Dwarves against Dark Elves. And that was only about two or three weeks ago. So I knew I had that ever so slight psychological edge with him. And so I leant in and did a full full more house and just drove that home. <laughs> and from the minute his dice turned a little bit hesitant in the second half, I could, I could see that it was there for taking. And sure enough, you know, I, I did manage to 2-1 that game. So that was fantastic. And it was a little bit bad of me, but... We you did uh, we, we did receive a bit of gamesmanship as well, didn't we, though? Because oh, I, yeah. I, the, probably the highlight of my weekend was, I think, I can't remember if it was game three or game four, and I think I was on table three at that point. And I had Josh on my left, and I think I had Mark on my right. And all six of the opponents I met were absolutely lovely. Um, but I could just hear the conversations going on both tables, and one was complaining about every move that one of them did and another one was questioning everything and it was just you could we were, we were quite on a, on a high table at that point you could just see it was any little edge i can get by trying to sort of dominate this psychologically yes i mean it's look the uktc is played in a great spirit and most people go and have a really good time and most blood bowlers do whenever they play blood bowl but up in the say the top 10 teams it does get very competitive I had my roster question for the first three turns of one game. That Did was you? the one I was talking about. Yes, <laughs> I was like, shut he kept, up. He kept adding it up, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> even got his, even got the rule book out. He got the uh, rule pack out and checked. Well, look, I mean, I, I, I had one mostly really, really pleasant people. But I did, uh, I did face one coach who... Well, look, the, my takeaway from that game is I've decided it was my fault and I need to get a weather marker that is visible because there were a lot of go-for-its rolled without Blizzard seeming to have any impact. And yet, weirdly, sort of five or six turns later, the first time I ever tried to go for it, he remembered it was a Blizzard. Yeah. Um, so it's things like that. There's just some gamesmanship at times that I, you know, I'd rather remove those doubts from my mind, let's put it that way. It's a very small minority, though. The majority of players are lovely, aren't they? Yeah, Absolutely. very much so. And there was... Um... There was quite a few female players there as well. Yes. Yeah. And I pl I played one, uh, Kat, I believe her name was, who was the girlfriend or partner 
of do you remember Dan No Reroll Vamps from last year? Oh yes. I think that was his partner. So right. hello to both of them. Um I know they listen, so uh, oh, that was that a fun, was fun team. That was the start of day two, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they were, were nice. good fun to play. Talking of gamesmanship, do you remember last year when we talked about the fact that the guy who, I think it was Mr. Joshua played, um, fielded 13 on his underworld no, team? No, that was, that was me. <laughs> that, that was, was you? Right. Well, I, we I were playing slam and sucking yeah. the ball and couldn't work out why I couldn't pick it up until I realised you had 13 players on the pitch. Yeah, we were very <laughs> aggrieved. We were very aggrieved by that until... I think it was our fifth game where Josh had accidentally fielded 12 players and hadn't realised until like turn four. There was an extra zombie on the pitch. Revenge. <laughs> he was very apologetic, though, to be fair. It, it is one of those things I've learned is that whilst I think most people do have good intentions, it really is worth checking stuff. I always count now. I've <laughs> learned that even when people are counting their own squares... You know what? I'm counting them too. Yeah. Just because it's not a trust thing. It's a it's a helpful thing. It's a trust thing. <laughs> it's a trust thing, yeah. <laughs> but I, so, I, I still don't want to believe it's deliberate. <laughs> I think people just, you know... Yeah. It was... I, I agree. I agree. Um, so, coming on to the black box trophy runs then. Mm. So, you're on your well, third, Rob, right? That's right, yeah. Now, wasn't this originally going to be the team you wanted as your second, but you decided you want to just hit some stuff first? This was always the, when I looked at the sort of possible pairings, this was always the one I felt I would probably have my best chance of doing well with. Um, yeah. So I've got uh, Pro Elves, or, or the Elven Union, as they're now called. I've got High Elf, which I've played and done well with before. Dark Elf, because I, I think they came down in price, did they? With their they two did. now, and they used to be three. And that's yep. a bargain for Dark Elves. And then Slan, which I've always enjoyed playing. So it's kind of two, 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 and one. But I don't think there's a particularly weak team in there. Um, a sl Slan can be, but I feel like they're one of the teams I play quite well. So for me, it's it's not doesn't really feel like I'm playing a weakened side. And mm. they've started pretty well. I'm, I'm doing okay at the minute. By doing okay... I mean, I, I I think the last time I checked it, it was um, it was a little better than okay. Well, it's uh, going pretty, it's going pretty well. Yeah, I think I've played about forty games. I think I'm on about thirty five points. So that's but yeah, I'm 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 happy with that. Yeah, it started, that, that it started quite well, place. apart from they all keep dying. Um, just across, I've just my apothecaries just haven't turned up this year at all. Right. Um, I think I've I've been, I started counting because it started annoying me, and I think I've managed. On the last 15 perms, I've attempted to apothecarise. Three have been successful. <laughs> it's definitely the worst role in Blood Bowl, isn't it? Because it's oh, so it's... much worse than regen. Yeah. Well, the last few games, I've just been apothecarising badly hurts and KOs because at least, you know, it's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Something you can guarantee. Well, look, on, on the topic of, of this particular run, as you said, three elves and slan, and I joked earlier that you play them elf-like. Is it? Are you really feeling that, that it's you're just in an elf zone with the whole thing? And what's your yeah. tip to elves in the box? Um, ooh, good question. Um, I think how you, you you basically you have to have a little... Well, I was going to say you have to have a little bit of luck to start with in case your team gets trashed, but my teams have got trashed. I think now we've got loners, you can kind of get away with it. I think it's important to get your core skills early on. So, for example... If you can get someone to blodge in the first couple of games, then you've got a reliable ball carrier 
um, you need to try and get, if you can get a mighty blow early on, that really helps. Obviously, you need a double for that. Um, but just get, rather than trying to build everyone, just get a couple of decent players, and that can potentially save the day. And then if the rest are dying, at least you're getting loners who you can throw at people. Right. I think I think for me, the key with elves, especially early on, is knowing when to try and protect them and knowing just when to throw everything in and just like just slow people down basically and throw bodies in the way and I think yeah. if you're prepared to do that you can get some good results. Yeah, it's what I've sometimes referred to as the banzai moment, isn't it? There is. There's, a one in, there's one in every game, isn't there? And you've just got to judge when it is. And if you go too soon and it goes wrong, it can get very nasty. Yeah, and you can you can be absolutely destroyed and suddenly there's, you know, just a mess of caramelised nothing on the floor and all of your elves are dead. Yeah, it's just it's knowing when to judge it, isn't it? But when you do go, you've got to commit to it because if you go in half-hearted, all that happens is that the, the bits you put in get battered and then you actually you haven't gone properly in and they get away from you anyway. Yeah. Now, how are you on, on? Do you skill the positionals? Are you still rule of fiving things? Um, yes, pretty much. I don't rule of five it. Um, so I, I will skill. I think I start off trying to skill the positionals. Then once they've got a skill on them, say blodge, then as and when. So if I can get a lineman with one star player point, I will then start trying to get them a skill because as soon as they've got, say, wrestle or block, I tend to take wrestle on my linos just right. because it gives another option. You can hide a bit more when people are trying to take you down. Just give, a, just give a quick rundown of what you mean by the rule of five for anyone that isn't aware of what the rule of five is. Well, the rule of five was seen as, uh, particularly during the claw palm era, um, that you have to put three on the line of scrimmage when you're kicking the ball. And then behind that, two squares back, you can have three others spaced. So none are in the wide zones, but they're covering all other avenues of approach. And then you can put five players behind that. And those five players at the very back can't be blitzed on turn one. Whereas obviously the three on the line of scrimmage can and the three two steps back can. Now actually really fast things can still get around the back and hit those players if they desperately want to. Plus every turn other than turn one, those players are going to be around and able to be hit. So I never put that much store by it. But during Clawpom, lots of people said that what you should therefore do is have six players that are just utter trash for the line of scrimmage and for those three other roles and then build your team around the five players that you can keep safe on turn one. It's a bit like a vamp team, isn't it? A bit like a vamp team. are made for that. Um, I hated it. I never thought it held a great deal of water. And even though I sometimes use that defensive setup, I don't always. Um, And I just thought, like I said, the minute you've started the game, it ceases to be of value. And I'd rather have some linemen, as you say, with wrestle or block that can just occasionally pull off something surprising for them. I'm also a big fan of throwing some loners into the into the grind and moving them last in a turn and not really caring if they die. It, it I think, can free up other things as elves. Hmm. I think it depends what rating you're playing at as well, because when you get higher up, obviously everyone's got a lot more killer skills and you probably do want to protect your five best players at the start, but you do need some things on bit skills on others as well. But when you're lower rating, it just depends what you're facing. So I've, for example, with my um, Elven Union, a couple of times I've actually fielded the blitzers because they've got sidestep on the front line so if I've, and they've got dodge as well so if I've been playing a team who haven't got tackle or haven't yeah. got mighty blow I'm thinking well put them on the front line if they don't pow me I can I'm off basically I can t- use sidestep to go and cause a problem straight away and pressure yeah I mean there is a risk in doing that obviously you know, oh, yes. you're, putting, you're putting high value pieces into positions where they're definitely going to get hit it's very situational 
Yeah, the payback can be huge because, of course, the other thing that's true of those pieces is that you are paying for that TV. You're paying for that skill. You're paying for Blodge, for example. And Blodge, what it's good at is being hit and not going down. So on, you, perhaps sometimes the, uh... you can use the TV to get that advantage. I mean, imagine a kickoff turn where none of your players are knocked over as elves. You know, that's that's kind of huge. You're really in a good position to spring a cage, to try and move for the ball, or to set up brilliantly on, on the field. But sometimes that means putting those risky players into places you wouldn't normally put them. But as you say, completely situational. depends who you're facing and what skills they're going to bring to the line of scrimmage attack. Yeah. Mm. So, were you saying that this uh, squad you're doing at the moment, do you reckon they were going to do better than your original squad? I, you I, yes. I, I think so, yes. Um, I've, I've, I've had a few draws tonight, but I, what they've done so far is they died a lot, but they hadn't rolled a lot of snakes. So I was kind of, I, I was surviving games and getting results, even though people were dying. And then tonight they started rolling snakes. So I, I, drew, th- I drew one game last night and two tonight. Um, and snakes were around and cost me, but really. So I'm hoping that's not going to be a trend. But yeah, they've, they've started pretty well. And I'm, I'm, I think, I feel like I should be able to do probably better than with that original team, hopefully. So there's something up in the 90s, maybe. Mm, I, it just depends because if you go on a bad run what I found with elves is what, if things start going badly and you get too many loners they just cripple you because as soon as you're trying to dodge out one of your loners rolls a one you yeah. can't re-roll it or you do re-roll it and you don't get it and then suddenly you're getting hit with four other players and it's it can just snowball very quickly yes it's those those early turn fails suddenly cost you three or four players and then suddenly yeah. the next and your position and your position as well so it it depends i'm just about getting towards having 11 players in every team i think i have got 12 <laughs> on two of the teams and then I've got about nine on two of the others so hopefully you, I can do you get believe it. in rolling heavy do you, do you like having a bench in the box particularly I would love to have a bench in the box. I haven't had one yet. I think I've managed. I have got twelve players on one team. I think for elves, ideally, I, I would want to get to twelve players just so I've got one sub, and just a little. If I get hit early on, I've got a little bit of a bench. Yeah. But I would. I would. My tactic would be to try and keep the rating down and try and get skills. Really, I think if you can hover around below one fifty, whilst having a few skilled players, you're not going to meet anything too bashy. Um, Having said that, I did make a very nasty Skaven team, which had two Blitzers who were skilled to the nines with Claw, Mighty Blow, Tackle, one Gutter with Strength 3, and they were sitting at about 148. And uh, that was horrendous. Um, that was, yeah, that was a properly hard game. So ge- generally, generally speaking, you're, you're going to get a better matchup. Now, you've got, you've got, as you said, three different Elf teams. Um, Dark Elves, there's a thousand ways to build them. Presumably, you're not messing around with Assassins. No, um, I've just taken four blitzers. I've got a witch elf. They're currently sitting at nine players, but I'll basically be padding out the linemen. I'm not taking runners, and I'm not taking assassins. Okay. Um, do you like catchers on high elves? I've seen builds completely ignore them, and others go really catcher heavy. I've always thought of a catcher. A catcher is essentially a war dancer who just needs to roll a couple of skills to be a war dancer. So you can get your catcher to be a war dancer literally by rolling three normal rolls. And then you've got yeah. block, dodge, leap, movement eight, strength three, agility four, armor seven. So uh, to me, the chance to build war dancers without having to roll a double is <laughs> brilliant. Um, I, I will take four catches if I can get to that point where I can. But it's like very expensive and very fragile. Yeah, I like catches. I just I'm so careful because I find if I've got four, suddenly I'm blown off the pitch. 
and well, I'm pro. Re- I, I haven't I haven't got to four yet because that keeps happening. But I've got two good ones, so it's <laughs> a good start. Yeah, I like once I've got one going, I like to instantly add another. If that gets anywhere, instantly add a third. But but the dream is always four. It's very rarely achievable. Um, and what about pro elves? The the squishy little unloved elf friend of of no one. I think the blitzers are fantastic because just sidestep is just so useful. It's yeah. a, it's a sort of skill I never take early on on players but when you end up with it you just appreciate how good it is it's just it's just an annoying skill isn't it when you're playing it to other people who've got it it just makes you double think everything so you're going to blitz someone you've got they've got sidestep you know if you don't get the pow suddenly you're in trouble you're even having to dodge out or they're going to get a hit on you and i, I remember there was this team years ago was it sinwall sidesteppers yes and i played them and just everyone had sidestep as you'd expect from the team name and it was just a, a nightmare to play against. And I, I don't know why I don't take more sidestep. I just I always feel like there's something I want more. And it's only when they've got like block, dodge, and then tackle. And then I sort of think about taking sidestep. But as soon as I do, I always think I should have taken it earlier. Yeah. I don't know. I quite like sidestep. I once made a high elf team called Strip Club, where the idea was everyone would have strip ball. It was a rubbish idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. Um, okay. And, yeah, that was, that was, it was many moons ago. I don't have much more to say about that, Mark. Yeah, it was many moons ago. It's beautiful that Blood Bowl has so many creative minds in it. There you go. Um, let's just do a quick uh, fumble update in terms of what's been going on. So we've had Fumble of the Year. That's happened. So congratulations to Sizebeth Adam, who does an enormous amount behind the scenes. He, he very much is an unsung hero. Um, um, but also also figuring there, we had the development team, and I think yeah. we're going to see a lot more of them this year. I think they're going to become the stars of 2020. Yeah. Uh, and also just pipping them into second, the much-loved Swamp Serpent. Uh, so a big yeah, shout absolutely. out to Swampy. Well done, Swampy. I think, I think that was both the iconoclast vote, but also the vote that just said... You know, some people just love Blood Bowl and play for the love of Blood Bowl, and we love them for doing so. So that was Definitely. nice to see. Um, Warpstone Open that has started. Yeah, that has the third round. Big old teams smashing themselves and smashing each other in that. There are some big teams, although the Wizard is back, so yes. that has helped me in my last two games, both against Massive Nurgle. Um, I've got Amazons. Uh-oh. I mean, I've gone in lean and mean this time, and, and you know, I've, I've got through to a final. We'll see what happens when I face whatever's there. A qualifier final, I should say. Yeah. Um, but there are some really, really big teams around that you just think would laugh off a wizard and then just keep smashing you whilst giggling. Yeah. So. Do, you, do you think they will, though? Because I think that might, that might see a shift, because I know it's been going bigger and bigger and bigger. For me, I think if you can get a team now maybe to around about the 220 range and have all the skills, maybe something yeah. like Chaos Dwarves. I played a Chaos Dwarf team, and I, I've gone out of the Warpstone Open, but I went out to a Chaos Dwarf team who had two strength five um, bull centaurs and uh, enough claw mighty blow to do damage, and they were sitting at about 210. So they were then getting a wizard and bribes, and, and for me, that seems like quite a nice sweet spot to sit at. That's pretty much exactly what I'm doing. Mine aren't quite as good as that, but I've got a Chaos Dwarf team at about 2,000 that are, I have got through so far doing that. Um, but the problem is that when you look at, say, uh, I was watching them earlier, the, the lovely vampire teams that are around, all the lovely Strength 6, Strength 5, Move 8, Agility 12. The abominations. Vampires. 
And of course, because of the age of fat, they all have a full bench of thralls, which means they don't run out of rerolls, and they've always got plenty of things to throw onto the field. And I just don't know that a wizard, particularly without a lightning bolt, is going to do very much to them. You I can get them down, but if they can just instantly recover again, and then they can just laugh at you and take your ball away. Well, you've, um, you've got to be able to retrieve it, haven't you? In the turn, yeah. turn if, you, if you can get one to hit the ball carrier, you've got to have something. So basically, it's for elves, really, isn't it? Yes. If yeah, you, I think, you've got to have something going and, and get it. Be, Philip. I think the rest of us, it's still, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, I think expensive mistakes isn't the way to control an open league. It just leads to huge, huge, huge teams. Um, and if that's what we want, great. But it's it's a little one-dimensional, I find, at times. But yeah, certainly the wizard coming back has changed the meta. There are smaller teams doing well and getting through it. And cards have gone. Yeah, I miss cards. cards. I like cards. I yeah, think, I miss I think cards. If you've got, if you're all sort of eighty behind, you, there's nothing, is it? You can get a babe, yeah, and that's about very it. Difficult. I mean, also the problem is we've got lots of the little tiny racial things come in via the spike magazines. Yeah. There are some sort of thirty k stuff and fifty k racial wizards and things. So yeah, we're basically just down to babes again. Uh, of course, league. I'm I'm in the White Owl League. There, um, I still regularly get cards, and I don't get wizard use. So it isn't universal across the site yet. That change. No, just but the they're competitive. Not, they're not in the competitive leagues. Yeah. But in terms of tournaments, we've got minors are returning as well. So if you don't know what a minor is because you're new to Fumble, um, minors are a bit smaller than majors. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yeah, so you get them at a certain TV. So it might be 1600 TV, uh, and your team has to be that or below. Um, I think the way it's going to be done this year is he's going to do them at roughly. Didn't he say 13, 16, 19 or something like that? Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be roughly. And until the, the uh, thing is actually announced, when he's going to put a little bit of variance in so that teams can't sort of prepare months ahead and then just sit there. Yeah, you won't was... know the exact limit until a couple of weeks before. One of the issues was people would get the, would pimp their teams to the right TV and park them. How very dare you. I we never know. did. Honest. I always did that. Um, so did I. I, was, I was still rubbish at it, though. So we've got the miners returning, which is good. I saw somebody uh, playing um, in a Warpstone Open, and they'd said, uh, oh, people in the podcast said that I should just throw in a team of any TV into the Warpstone Open. And that's not correct. We said that about the Fumble Cup. Yes, I think everyone should have a go at the Fumble Cup. Uh, but the Warpstone Open is slightly different. Uh, in fact, the other majors are slightly different because it's uh, groups and then a final group. You might need a bit more gravitas and a bit more oomph to get through. But, well, you know, look, that's if you're some casual drifter that comes along and throws a team into the Warpstone Open and loses round one, there is still the lottery. There's the Warpstone, yeah. Warpstone so lottery. there's at least three tickets that go to just anyone that played in a qualifier. You didn't have to have won. You didn't have to have done anything. Uh, and those teams also get through to the finals. So there is that beautiful random chance that you, if you have played, lost, and not played another game, and applied your team to the main group, and again, there'll be stuff about this all over the site, then you too can end up in the finals. So, uh, yeah, give that a go. Hmm. And it's also been the uh, NAF president elections, hasn't it? And Team England choice. And things yes. Like that. And yeah. I apologise to um, Alex, because I said I'd come on, but we didn't do a podcast to kind of advertise the fact that the elections were happening. Yes, uh, but I think it got enough airtime anyway elsewhere, so... And there, was, there was some discussion on the site and also on the Discord about about both. Uh, and how I mean, how relevant are they to online players? 
is is the NAF something we should really care about? I mean, what do you think, guys? A bit of an overlap, though. It's sort of like you've got players online, you've got players who are going to play tabletop. It's got to be a pretty heavy overlap. Yeah. And also, yeah. we've got... I mean, we run NAF tournaments on Fumble. We do. And so, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm in a, a NAF-based sort of thing going on on BB2. So NAF style is certainly, you know, wanted by online players. But does who runs the NAF, is it really relevant to Blood Bowl, to, to the standard online player? I, think, I mean, I'm a member of the NAF and proud to be so. But other than giving me some free dice and making sure that tournaments I go to are sane and that I'm going to at least recognize the rules and that those results will be stored somewhere, I, I'm not sure I want massively more from them but perhaps mm. I'm old fashioned I don't know well congratulations to Nate anyway who won who's the yep. current guy um, and commiserations to Sean who uh, I voted for so unlucky Sean and unlucky Ben as well but it was good to see people up and it was good to see people interacting with the uh, Q&A stuff going on on uh, the site but yeah, yeah anyway um, well, I do think the NAP does a great job don't I get do, me wrong yeah big fan of it i just i mean it, i understand why they haven't got the money to fix up the website which is a bit old and clunky but it does a great job of storing the results it does a great job i mean i'm a big fan of purple goo and the way he seems to have yeah continued yeah. to make tournaments both um, recognizable and reasonably sane um so it's uh, to me it's all good I, I i think it's all running well i mean the tournaments are growing aren't they there's always new ones popping yeah. up like march the 14th Speaking of which, yes. The Light in the Dark. The Light in the Dark is ready to go. It's exciting. The venue is uh, still secure. Um, fumble mouse mats are on order. Fantastic. Um, and yeah, it's very exciting. Very exciting. So we still have spaces um, if you want to come along and meet some fumblers. Krista will be there. We've uh, I got... shall be heading up. Now, when have I promised to come again? It's March, isn't it? March the 14th, yeah. March the 14th. Um, so there'll be some other fumblers there. I will be there. Uh Possibly Neil. We're not sure yet. I'm pretty sure I will do. Nice one. Um, and two drunk fling boys are coming. So you'll see the whole lot of two drunk flings. They're coming too. Um, D for Dan. If you know who Dan Atherton is, I think he's popping along as well. Oh, so there's quite a few well-known tabletop players coming along. Um, possibly Andy Davo as well. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, so there's that. Anything else that we're missing in terms of news? Um, well, look, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, and it was a while ago, but if Toot. we are talking black box trophy... Oh, yes, let's talk about that then, yeah. Then, <laughs> you know, uh, I, uh, I am sort of top who's right t- Who's top? Who's top at the minute? I am. You um, are? I am. I don't think you've mentioned it before, Pete. <laughs> Has it not cropped up? Well, no, you know, in case you haven't had a look, you know, do feel free to go and check the page. Um, look, I don't expect to stay there. It's it's been it was a lovely run and it went really really well. Well, you're sharing the dwarf lead at the minute. Yeah, I don't I, think I, I, don't, I don't see the I think dwarf lead getting beaten. That's I safe, think that's reasonably it? safe. Yeah, um, it's slightly higher as a sort of percentage than it was the last two years. So, and I'd love to keep it. That that's sort of my overall wish because that would be three years in a row I've been top dwarf in the trophy and that's that would be nice the goblin lead I've also got at the moment I think that's vulnerable it's it's not a bad score for goblins but someone could easily particularly if they got a block troll which I never did or a plus agility goblin which I never did 
Um, those, to me, are the two real keys to success with goblins. I think with either of those, you can do incredibly well. Um, but then I think the other two leads I've got at the moment will disappear. In fact, I know they will. The I think it's just one, I think Strider could get your Dark Elf one. Yeah, Strider could get my Dark Elf one in a sort of a game or two's time, and he's got about five games left to do it. There's uh, quite that, a likely situation where the current top three, which is um, yourself, myself, and Colian XXX, could all actually end up on the same score quite easily by racial leads going. Yes. I think if, if you lost your High Elves and Dark Elves... Which I'm pretty elves, certain I will, yes. Which looks likely, doesn't it? And it does. I'm likely to lose... I think the Amazons the might one, go to you. The Amazons. I'm going to lose the Amazons, and he's going to lose the Orcs after I take on Orcs in my fourth run. Yeah, my fourth <laughs> run. I'm going to as well. Yeah, I have to say, I'm going to go Orc race lead hunting. That's going to yes. be shameless, but I'm going to have so a go. We'd all, we'd all actually end up on the same score if, if that happened, which is, is quite, it's actually probably more likely than not happening. Yes, I mean, I think if I was to tip who I think will be top right now, I think your third run looks... I mean, there's a long way to go in it, mate. I but don't know. It, at it, the moment, the pace you're too, on is incredible. Too soon to say. Too soon to say. Yeah, but any one of those really hits a rut, there could obviously be a problem. But it, yeah. it looks incredible. But to me, at the moment, I think Spartaco is going to put a good score up. I don't think he's going to quite challenge. He's got 88 games played for 71 points. Yeah, I don't think he can make it, can he? If he grabs a couple of racial leads and wins all the rest, he could be up there. I don't think he's. I think he's going to fall just a tiny bit under. No, to me, it's Strider 84. He's on 83 games. He's got 68 and a half points. Uh, he's in very good form. He is a fantastically talented Blood Bowl coach. And I could see him um, really putting some scores together. It's all going to come down to his Norse, which he has nine games left to play. Uh, have you, have you clocked? Because I, I do keep an eye on these things, as well as Strider, who I have been watching, and he's doing very, very well. Have you noticed the score that Juiced is on? Yes, I have had a look at that. He's doing superbly well. I think he's played about about forty or fifty games, but 55. he's only yeah fifty-five games, forty-eight and a half points. He's, there you go. He's really he's, putting a that, cracking run together. That could well be um, taking the lead at some point soon, couldn't it? But yeah, got quite I, a few coaches now, you know, that have that have completed the black box trophy. There is, and yet there's still two hundred and forty-three days remaining. So. Even to play your 100 games, you could still be playing three games a week and easily get that done. 17 coaches now have completed it. So my plan is to complete. I'm on 47 games at the minute. Um, but I've got to get through my vamps, and I hate vamps. I just want to tear my eyes out. Yeah, oh, I, I had that experience with both ogres and goblins and actually Norse, which I wasn't expecting to have with Norse. And I think when you when you know you can do another run, the kind of incentive is there. I think if I in my fourth run, if I take on, for example, halflings and things don't start well, I, I might just let that one slide, I think. But um, yes, if, it's quite hard to get through 25 games is a lot if you're not enjoying it. And Norse were painful for me this year. Yeah, vampires did it to me last year. I got the thousand-yard vampire stare, and I'm not going back there for a while. <laughs> I have unfinished business with vampires, but not yet. Not yet. It just was too awful. I still hear the screams. Um, but while we have you on, Rob, I desperately, desperately want to ask you about um, Six Foot Undeveloped. Because in your first run, um, I mean, we knew that Amazons, you were going to blow the world apart. Oh, the underworld uh, team. Yeah. yeah your, your dwarf score, it's, it's all right. <laughs> um, your goblin score I thought was pretty solid um, I yeah, was pleased I, I to get past it I liked my goblin score until you beat it <laughs> <laughs> very pleased to get past it um, and it was of course that legendary troll dodge 
which oh, has been talked about yeah, too much already. Oh, it was just painful. I think we yeah. need to hear that story on the here, don't we? Because I don't think we Okay, well, I don't think it's been on the podcast. So no. I, I, I rolled into Rob, into Malmere, which is never what you particularly want. I had goblins. Uh, he had some massively overpowered team of doom. I had ogres, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he just completely destroyed me. Totally blew, blew me off the perch. But it got to the point where he was stalled up on the line with the ball in the hand of a snotling. I had one player left on the pitch. It was a troll. So I had nothing to help it activate. After it activated, it had to do three five-plus dodges. Just to put a bit of context in, the turn one of before, which my, could you my break turn back before you got your last turn, I could literally put my guy pretty much anywhere. So I chose where I actually went <laughs> to make it as hard as possible. <laughs> yeah, to make the dice just absurd. Yes. So he activated on a 4+, did two 5+, dodges, used break tackle to make the third 5+, dodge. Then he hit the snotling. Even then he needed a pow on three dice with no block, but got the pow. Even then, it had to bounce somewhere where Rob wouldn't be able to pick it up, and it bounced directly over the line into the touchdown zone. So I thought, why not? The troll will try and pick it up. So it tried to pick it up, failed. It bounced directly in front of it over the touchdown line. And then Rob had a 4 plus, 2 plus to both pick up and dodge for the score, and failed the 4 plus. So from what had looked an absolute certain victory, I snatched a draw with one player. It on was an the pitch. absolute disgrace. <laughs> the odds were just amazing against it. We it was also the only thing I could try. UKTC weekend at all. No, I it wasn't didn't brag at all. So it was the only thing I could try. So in that way, you know, there are no dice. There is only the right action, and it was the right action because it was the only thing that was going to work. So I tried it, and it worked. Yeah. Now, interestingly, I was talking to... But I want to hear about Underworlds. So, you were talking to who, Mark? I'm sorry, I was talking to Dionysian. Oh, yes. Who, who says there, there are, are no, no dice. dice. Yeah. Uh, and I was, when I was playing him, uh, I beat him 3-0. Just going to drop that in. Um, and we were playing yesterday, and he said, as you, as you know, there are no dice. And we talked about it, and he said... Well, why, you haven't got time to play. You need to be doing the January edition of the podcast. And I was like, yeah, but if I don't play, I've got nothing to talk about. Um, so, yeah, just thought I'd drop it in that I uh, beat him 3-0. There you go. Oh, well, it's lovely. That, that sort of implies he listens, which is nice. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. He's a very, very fine Blood Bowl player. And it's nice to think that people like that care about what we dribble on about. <laughs> right, sorry. Carry on. What were we saying? So, um, with your Underworld, and I'm not sure if you've played Underworld a lot before, or if, just like Bretonians, you can pick up any team at Blood Bowl and instantly be awesome with them. Um, but you, I, your I, Underworld... I hadn't played them before, no. Your Underworld got 23 and a half points out of 25. Yeah, I wasn't um, expecting it. I'll be honest, I wasn't didn't expecting lose. That. You only had wins and draws. How, how... <laughs> I guess my question is, what? <laughs> I, I think... When I started with them, obviously they're a, they're a one-point race, and I think I was... The aim is obviously, I think, to get the key skills early on, isn't it? So you want your blitzers, your, your hitters. Um, and I did manage to get block and mighty blow. And I think eventually I managed to get claw on them, but it took a while. Um, but I, I just It was one of those teams where you know the key moments in games, and sometimes they just go your way, yeah. and sometimes they don't. And I I would love to say I coached them magnificently and was unassailable. But I think what basically happened was I played them fairly well. But I also played my dwarves fairly well at the same time. And I also played another race I was playing fairly well. 
But every single time it got down to that key moment, will it go my way, will it won't, the Underworld team, it went for them, and the Dwarves, it went against them. Right. And I had another race going on as well, and it's just, it just seemed that the Underworld was just a lucky team. They got what they needed when they needed it, whereas the okay. Dwarves, it obviously, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. And were, it was, you, were you deliberately scoring with the, the rats to get them up and ruddy and running and, and you know basing the team around that? Um, I'm, try, I'm trying to think back now. Yes, I think I was where I could, but um, it was one of those ones where they kind of just naturally got points because they kind of because they're, they're your better players, they yeah. ended up getting picking up the ball anyway. So they're the ones ready to do something and can do something a, with it. Having a strength three, movement seven was a better option than having a goblin who was move six and strength two and if other teams had tackle and such like. So they're kind of just naturally skilled. I don't... Did you ever get into skilling the goblins and using them with two heads or a a claw or a big hand? I did. did you just use them as disposable meat? I loved two heads. If I got the chance, I gave them two heads because then you've got a guaranteed two plus dodge, which is just fantastic. Um, I think I only had one who got that. I don't... It's it's a while ago, so I'm kind of scraping the memory bank. But from memory, I did end end up with two good blitzers. The troll, I think, was only uh, he might have had block I can't remember he wasn't anything amazing he was just he just did a job um, I tried to get three dice on the trolley I think he did end up with block eventually after about fifteen games um, and I tried to get three dices on him because obviously he had mighty blow and I basically had three mighty blow because I had the two blitzers and the troll I was playing at around about the one thirty margin I think so that was quite strong for a, a team um, and. I don't know. At the end of it, I, just, I had a bit of luck when I needed it, I think, is, is all I can really say. I, well, I, I mean, guarantee if I started another Underworld team, I would not go 25 games unbeaten, let's put it that way. Well, whisper it quietly, but but some guys I know that, that play you know, a lot of um, Underworld were, were really impressed with how that went. Um, so just, I mean, awesome. Well, very, I think that's that was really a, very kind, I guess. But, that yeah. was a, a score that I think yeah, you know, deserves awesome. to live in the annals awesome. of fame as, as some cracking. And you say it wasn't down to coaching. There's got to have been a bit of coaching in there, I think. Um, I think but, uh, maybe, maybe general Blood Bowl coaching, yes, but not specifically to Underworld. I, would, I wouldn't claim to be a great Underworld coach because I've, I haven't played them very much. That's did fair enough. That's fair enough. On purpose. So did you like try and keep them there or did they just naturally hover there? Um, I, I've kind of learnt, I think, from previous seasons in the black box. So in season one, um, I remember having high elves and I was doing pretty well with them. And then they kind of crept up towards the 175, 180 range. And I just kept getting beaten up and my run kind of collapsed a bit. Um, and then after that, I was a little bit more savvy last year where I think I came was it third. Um, and I kind of kept, tried to keep things down a little bit to avoid getting teams with Mass Claw, Mighty Blow and all the rest. Um, and I've just, I have, I've been, the last two seasons, I've been a little bit more aware of keeping at a rating where, you're not going to get massive teams. Right. Now, one other question I really want to ask before Mark tells me we've spent too long on all of this. Um, <laughs> I, I often, I mean, I love coming in and, and spectating games when there's not much else going on or if I'm working on admin or stuff in, in the background. I'm sure other people do. And I've noticed that at your games, you know, unlike other games, when you do something people don't understand, no one snickers. They just, they, they ask, why is he doing that? And what do I learn from it? And one thing that's confusing me and I want to ask you on your Norse run, you put wrestle on an ulf. And I've noticed yeah. on your CDs, you had a wrestle bull. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm not sure I could ever really think I'd want wrestle on an ulf. Um, I mean, I like break tackle, I like block, I like mighty blow, so, and even some guard. There's so much they can do that's nice. I'd never thought of wrestle. And I definitely know I would never put one, you know, 
put one on a bull. But I mean, uh, you, you, is it just coaching from Mars? Are you just crazy, or is there a is there a thought behind this this wrestle? I think for me, I like to have different options. So obviously, you're going to get break tackle. So which point you've got something that's mobile because they move quite well, and it's just another way of having something else that if you need it to take the ball down can so it, i've right. noticed quite often you can get your usually say with chaos dwarves you're usually blitzing with the bull centaur aren't you yes so to maximize your chance of getting him down if you've got wrestle that's a much better option right so he's your, he's your he's your sacker i see yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the theory it didn't really work so well with norse but i went having played chaos dwarves and used it quite well it, that was the same. I went down that line with it, but I don't. I, I'm not as convinced with Norse. I'm not sure I would do that again. Now I, I found certainly I'm not. I didn't yeti up this year with my Norse yet. My Norse run, run is still ongoing. And last year I found that was a real. I loved them. They were so much fun having a yeti. But I thought that was when the results really took a nosedive. Yeah. Do you think they pay off? No, I avoided it. But having said that, my Norse run this year was pretty bang average, but. It, it was only saved. So if, if someone now goes and clicks, they'll think, oh, he did, he did okay with Norse. But I think I, I won something like eight of the last nine games. Before right. that, it was really, really average stuff. Um, it was, yeah, I was getting very frustrated playing and just kept getting beaten up. It wasn't really happening. Um, but I did avoid taking the Yeti because when I've tried it, I don't think it's worth the team value. It kind of took me into a range where they're only armor seven and they were getting beaten up a lot. Without the Yeti, everyone's got block. You're not risking, obviously, having to do loner and wild animal and stuff like that. Um, for me, I wouldn't take the Yeti unless you're building it sort of higher team rating. I agree. I always found the Yeti. As soon as I got the Yeti, everything went to crap. Just... Yes, that was my experience yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we do need to move on. We do need mm. to move on. There's a couple of things uh, now. So, last thing is, I just want to mention, shameless plug for Duncan. If you haven't seen them yet, there's some uh, human tokens on indiegogo so if you just googled indiegogo uh, human tokens it will come up with charlie victor products um and it's run by a lovely bloke called duncan and his goal was uh, four thousand pounds for these tokens and at the minute he's raised uh, thirteen thousand three hundred twenty eight pounds wow. 147 wow. backers but if you haven't seen them yet then uh, you just Google it. You can get on there. Fantasy so they, football they, team they cover everything, don't they? I mean, from yeah. your, your turn markers to your boat, to your, you know, someone stunned, to the ball, to you name it. There's a, a marker it's for everything. everything. Yeah, everything you um, want. Apothecary. Even if um, you're not impressed with that, I did know there's a lovely dice bag. There's a beautiful dice rolling cup. I mean, yeah. There's all sorts of really Bottle nice openers. looking kit there. Yeah, um, and the the good thing about it now, I've seen his coins of corruption set as well, which is the previous kind of thing he did, um, and he's done the injury dice. You might have seen them; they're like red and white, the injury dice that says dead yeah. minus eight. So he's done them as well. But what I love about them is they're just such high quality. Um, and I'm not doing this out of, you know, I'm not getting any free stuff from Duncan. I'm, this is genuinely, he's a nice bloke who delivers quality products. Um, so it's yeah, well the worth... the dice are also available on that same thing. I yeah, think probably, I yeah absolutely. So have a look on Indiegogo. Um, search for fantasy football team tokens, humans. Um, you've got 31 days left to back it. Um, it's already been reached. So now it's a case of getting the um, stretch goals. Um, so some of the stretch goals were already unlocked. 
Um, and then you've got more reroll tokens, designs, and so on and so forth. So take a look at that. And yeah. the last thing we need to talk about... I, I wanted to give out a quick shout-out. Yeah, go well, on. I promised Nelphine. Oh, yes, uh, Nelphine. I didn't know whether been, you wanted to talk about longer I, I, next time. Just really, no, just really briefly at this point, Nelphine, who I think it's both a work of genius and madness, has designed something, I, I mean, called the BYOBL. It's on group number 12181, but also read his blog and some of his posts about it. He's basically designed a system... I mean, it's 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 crazy. I mean, you can build everything from a, a lion warrior to a, a dark elf, but he's built a system where you can build your own teams. Um, he's set up sort of 500 rules for how you create a team. You know, if you have this much, you can't have this, and if you have too many of this strength, you can't have this. And he's tried to balance it all so that anyone can build any kind of team and they should be balanced and ready to play. Weirdly, you can't build teams like dwarves. Or, or wood elves using his rule set. But you can build some really interesting stuff. If you're into team design, it's a fascinating thing that he's built. Um, and it's just, it's in, incredible depth. And I think some people out there are really into that. It's a lot of work, isn't it? It's a lot of work. Yeah. So well it done, Delphine. And it deserves, I mean, give it a twirl if it's your, if it's that's your sort of scene. Um, have a look at what he's doing there and just see, you know, chomp on down. And, and if it's, he, he loves discussing it talking about rule sets with people and if you've always wanted to design things to take part in in blood bowl then feel free to give that a go yep i think that's great so the last thing i'm going to say uh is we've got another competition we do um <clears throat> and it's for an ogre's box sorry i was just trying to get myself together then um <laughs> <laughs> So it is. <laughs> we've got an ogre spot, a box to give away. Now, you so won't have noticed special this. people out there who want to coach ogres. Yeah. You won't have noticed this, but it's quite an easy thing. <laughs> quite an easy thing to do. If you haven't noticed, like I haven't noticed Someone very have noticed. Come on. So through this episode... Rob, Neil, did you notice? Um, I noticed for... Because um, I can see a bit of extra chat. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so through, yeah, through this episode I have. I'm guilty. Dave Purple Chest has been dropping in uh, names of chocolate bars um throughout <laughs> the whole episode. So your job, should you choose to accept it, is go back through the episode and tell us how many chocolate bar names Dave has said so it's you know it's, it's no picnic <laughs> I don't know whether you've said that one that one doesn't count that one doesn't count well, it doesn't count if you said it no it doesn't yeah, count if I said it but that's the idea so you've got to look for that you've got to look for that yeah. alright so all you need to do is send myself or Dave um, a message or come and join us on the discord chat and drop a message in there through fumble Twitter, wherever else, Facebook, whatever you want to do. So, Are we just asking for the, the final number of how many or saying they have to list which ones it was? Oh, I, mean, I think we have to list which ones. Or is that too much? Because I guess people could just guess, couldn't they? But well, look, that they have to get the exact names. Yeah, let's go for names as well. All right, and then the, the closest in both number and names. Yeah. Uh, I have to say they are, I think, almost universally... UK-based chocolate confectionaries. So yeah, you might have to guess. So it's good yeah. luck. Good luck, everyone. And 
honestly, if it's too hard, not... we'll find another way to give it away. I promise. Yeah, uh, this is not a way for us to all, double the amount of listens we get. I promise. Um, so yeah, enjoy and Neil, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you guys. Thank you. And Malmere, thanks for joining us. Would love to have you both on again at some point. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. Are you there? Are you there, Rob? Um. I'm breaking up, I'm afraid. Oh, are you? Breaking up. Oh, hang on. I might, I might be back. I might be back. Like, we can hear you. We can hear you. We're just it. saying thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's thanks for coming on. It's been great. Really interesting. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Right. And for everyone out there, we'll see you again. Keep rolling those dice. And, uh, yeah, take care, everybody. And if you find yourself having chocolate dreams, I'm really sorry. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can by visiting Patreon or finding us on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you want to find us, but especially on Fumble. Thank you for listening again, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. This podcast is sponsored by tritexgames.co.uk. Uk.